Wolfing Down Food Science. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Food Science by the Fireside. Today is our last episode of the year. It is our stocking stuffer episode, and our stockings are stuffed with what else? Fruitcake. <laughs> yeah, don't hang those on the mantle. They might fall right down and crush your toe or something like that. <laughs> true. Very true. Well, you know, this episode was inspired by uh, Paige's current reading list. So, Paige, what are you reading these days? Well, I'm back to Harry Potter, so Harry Potter fans rejoice, um, and I was reading the first book actually this morning, and um, there's a scene in the first book where Harry is living with his aunt and uncle, and um, he is receiving letters that it's time to come to Hogwarts, and this is a new thing, and his his new adopted family um, the aunt and uncle don't really want any of this wizardly kind of stuff around. And so the the Dursleys, that's their name, um, the, the father is trying to close up the mail slot by nailing it closed. And he uses what else but a piece of fruitcake <laughs> to nail the mail slot shut. So, you know, it has to be a very, very dense. <laughs> this is a rock, that thing. Why did they think to use a fruitcake? Do they have the reputation of being very solid pieces yeah, of cake? Yeah, I think it's, it's pretty dense um, weight to volume ratio. So it, it's pretty heavy as baked goods go. Um, but it's also pretty energy dense, right? It's usually like a lot of fruit and a lot of nuts that are held together by a little bit of cake. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think unless... Well, perhaps, unless you have a tank of liquid nitrogen at home and dropped your fruitcake mm. into it, I don't think you'd be too successful at nailing anything shut with no. a fruitcake. However, <laughs> it is really dense. And, yeah, talked about uh, different types of density, and, and this is calorie density. So we happen to have a nutrition graduate here. So... Um, <laughs> How would you define hey. calorie density, Teresa? Yeah, something that has a lot of calories in it that can be used for energy and um, when timed right can help you with starting your day right or filling you up after having a, a long stretch of exercise. So when I think of um, fruit, actually, they're, they can be very sugar dense and that's probably why it adds to the calorie density as well as those nuts that can be in there, um, adding some fats. Um, I don't know if there's much protein in there, which also is <laughs> quite dense, but I guess the the nuts can add some of that as well. Yeah, you just need to, to wrap that fruitcake in bacon. <laughs> oh, that's the last step. Okay. I was just going to dip it in whey protein. Oh, yes. Yes. Sprinkle that in there. Nice whey protein glaze on the top. <laughs> there we go. That's all we need is a whey protein glaze and we'd be totally fine. Then well, that'd be a meal. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, this this gets to some of the original uses of fruitcake. So uh, so fruitcake goes back to apparently at least Roman times. And we're hearing this is kind of a common theme among some of the foods that we've been discussing. So at least to Roman times. And and in that case, it was used really as an as an energy food 
so that soldiers could take this over long distances, something that uh, was pretty rugged and didn't uh, didn't spoil very easily, but had a very high energy density value. Yeah, so not really, only is like, it compact and, and dense, right? Like you yes. didn't have much volume to take up in your bag that you're carrying, but you get a lot of punch nutritionally from it. Yeah, so literally heavy as in how it feels relative <laughs> to its size and literally laden with calories, which, you know, if you're marching all day or what have you, um, that's uh, that's something that you need. It's the old fashioned power bar. Definitely. That's a good analogy, Teresa. There you go. The old fashioned power bar. <laughs> and and we, we see modern analogies to this with uh, with modern soldiers. So especially those. In cold weather environments, uh, calorie uh, calorie burns of 6,000 calories a day are not unusual. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to mm. need a lot of calories, a lot of uh, a lot of food to replace that. And the 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 denser those calories are, the less weight essentially per calorie, the better if you're carrying everything around with you in a in a backpack. And even better if it lasts a really long time and there's no risk of spoilage. So these, yeah. these fruit cakes are usually pretty low on moisture. And we've talked about water activity in the past, how available that moisture is for microbial growth um, and, and chemical reactions. But when we're talking food preservation, usually we're um, predominantly concerned about microbial growth and and spoilage from that. So having a low water activity, which in this case, because the fruit cake has so much sugar, <laughs> makes that happen so um so yeah that preservation aspect of things is really handy too yeah and it's nice to think about this from sort of a holistic standpoint like oh yeah over there there's a fruitcake sitting there um behind the door as a doorstop (laughs) so there's a whole fruitcake but we can also think of it as uh as its components so if we think about all of the ingredients, the dried fruit itself, each of those components typically is going to have uh, what we call intermediate moisture um, or a range of water activity around 0.6 to 5, 0.65 to 0.85. I know we're getting a little bit nerdy here, but that's the same range as we would have in um, raisins, in prunes, in dates, in mm. pop tarts. If you notice, these things don't mold very easily unless storage is really really wrong (laughs) and it's because the sugars are holding on to water so tightly that you can have something that is a bit chewy you know that's it's not really super dry but it's still um it still doesn't have high enough water activity to allow molds or yeast to do their thing so you know you got that component and then what else is in a fruit cake that lasts a long time? I'm sure there's some added sugar and nuts. Yeah, sugar um, and and uh, nuts, and of course those are often roasted. So uh, even before you bake them into the cake, so you're you're starting to put together some pretty. Um, I don't want to say bulletproof, but I do want to say bulletproof um, ingredients. <laughs> Literally, um, yes. <laughs> Ingredients. Um, just you may have come up with a new product, Keith. The bulletproof vest made out of fruit cake. Well, yes, I was imagining <laughs> just duct taping them, you know, to, yeah, to yeah, yourself. There you and, go. There and that's you go. that would be quite a look. But um, you can you can also 
incorporate alcohol into your fruitcake. So that's another traditional thing where people make fruitcakes months ahead of time. And then they're sort of basting their fruitcake with either rum or brandy or whatever alcohol they have. Rum and brandy are pretty typical um, for English fruitcakes or Caribbean fruitcakes. So um, every couple of weeks, you poke some holes in it with the skewer, pour some alcohol over, <laughs> and let it sit a little bit longer. And it actually mellows and improves the flavor um, and also has amazing antimicrobial properties. <laughs> There you go. So we start out with something where we're really managing what water can do with with uh, low water mm -hmm. activity, and then we're adding antimicrobial to the mix. So um, that's going to be pretty stable. My <laughs> carrot cake, if it can be comparable to the fruit cake, is so moist, and it's been out for like definitely three weeks. So it's just <laughs> amazing how it can be so pleasurable. Even yeah. after, and it seems fresh. It really does. That's awesome. Well, I think that's a good segue to all the variations on the theme. So when we were looking at this stock, stocking stuffer episode, we were just amazed at all of the different ways that uh, this fruitcake idea has gone. And uh, for all those historians out there trying to stop your ears, we're not trying to uh, to go in complete linear historical fashion we're just talking about variations on the theme so how many different variations did we find in terms of what we might think of as that uh fruity nutty fruit cake that lasts forever um versus all the other things that have been produced throughout history yeah i mean i think it started out as that energy bar where we really didn't have sugar production during roman times and so you know, it was sweetened with honey, but it wasn't such high sugar content. Um, and that that's probably very different than what we think of. And then once the Americas were discovered and we had sugar production, then fruits were starting to be preserved with sugars and it could be incorporated. Um, but we found quite a variety of densities, right? So, like, I think, Keith, you mentioned the Stalin or Stolen. Not Stalin. Yeah. 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 Stolen. Yeah. And I mean, the panettone is an Italian uh, fruitcake. It's quite airy, though. Yeah. yeah those are like light. yeasted breads. It's very light. Yeah. So I was, I was kind of imagining in my mind sort of like lining all these up in terms of just the density, like with this doorstop fruitcake on the one end. <laughs> And maybe something like panettone on the other end and mm -hmm. stolen somewhere, somewhere in the middle in terms of just the heaviness. But you, you see these common themes with dried fruits and nuts incorporated um, in all of these different uh, dif different types of uh, of usually holiday related uh, breads. Well, and I think you're getting to a good point there that it, it does definitely have fruits and nuts and the types of fruits and nuts vary. But the ratio of fruit and nut to cake makes a big difference in how light this product can actually be. Oh, yes. <laughs> so if you have a lot of fruit and nuts, there's not going to be very much cake to glue this together. And so then there's not a lot to leaven there or to, to make really airy and light. But in things like the panettone, that 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 definitely has lower amounts of fruit and nut, and you can leaven the product with yeast fermentation, like a yeast bread. 
So it makes a big difference how energy dense and <laughs> your product is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. In a way that Panatone is really custom designed to custom designed to uh, to spread out those those fruits and nuts. Whereas, um, yeah, I think I think on the other end that that doorstop over there I'm looking at. Um, <laughs> Yeah, really, you're just gluing things together with sugar and flour and, and you know, maybe some some eggs or what have you. Um, and that's that's it. <laughs> you're, yep. you're really pushing that envelope in terms of how much in the way of these dried fruits and nuts you can put into one single food. Yep. Definitely. Oh, and they've even brought food dyes into play. So now they're making the fruitcakes uh, Christmas themed and. Um, Bright and colorful. <laughs> yeah, I find that very interesting, and I haven't tried one yet. So, do you guys um, have any ratings on the flavor changes with regarding like those artificial colored fruit cakes, or do you like to make them more traditional? I can't really say that I detect differences when I try the different um, different colors. For instance. Uh, I think one of the most common things is uh, is bright red dried cherries, maraschino mm-hmm. cherries, and then mm-hmm. bright green cherries. I think this is one of the few places that you'll see those bright green cherries used. But both of those are those are uh, uh, artificial uh, FD&C type dyes, and partly because they're very stable and you know they maintain that bright color. But mm-hmm. I haven't really noticed. Uh, noticed a flavor difference. Paige, can you detect that? I I haven't either. Um, there's so much sugar in those dried or you know preserved maraschino cherries that it <laughs> that's the dominant thing, right? <laughs> it's just incredibly sweet. So I haven't noticed any change. It definitely changes the appearance, and you know we do eat with our eyes, and so. If that very colorful food appeals to you, it's kind of been a shift in the past several years where people are trying to get away from um, or preferring more natural dyes and colors that aren't nearly as stable or as bright and intense. Um, So, you know, maybe 30 years ago, the opinion of that fruitcake with the bright red and green cherries would be a little bit different than today's fruitcake. So. Yeah, but it it might be helpful just to talk about why that was done in the first place. Why those, you know, the red 40 and and uh, I'm not sure if if the green is a combination of of uh, blues and yellows or if it's a pure green. Um, But why those why those exist? Uh, In other words, if that wasn't there and you had those same candied cherries in the fruitcake, what would that fruitcake look like? A little moldy, not moldy, but probably browned a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The cherries. Yeah. The cherries would just be brown cherries, which, you know, I mean, they would probably taste very similar, but they just would not have that bright appearance. So. And certainly if you humans, you know, first typically eat with their eyes, I think um, I think one of you all mentioned that just just a, a few minutes ago. So we we first kind of eat with our eyes. And so. If we're looking at foods that look appealing and they have bright colors, that tends to uh, give us the idea that this is going to be delicious. If if it's all drab um, colors uh, or all 
all colors that uh, that really don't contrast. And we might think, mm, well, I'm not sure how good this is going to be. But, uh, <laughs> but colors definitely have an effect on the way that we perceive perceive foods. For sure. And when you dry fruits and vegetables naturally, that enzymatic browning that happens like in apples when you cut them is going to start happening in those fruits and vegetables. So unless you do something to prevent it, brown is definitely the uniform <gasps> color you're going to get. <laughs> Tasty. Right. So. And and certainly some some of those fruits will hold their natural color if we add uh, if we add not artificial uh, colors, but if we add things like like sulfites. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm wondering uh, if if the pineapples or some of those other fruits maybe are sulfited in order to keep them to to maintain that sort of. You add apricots golden. almost definitely. Apricots will turn brown very badly with drying if they are not sulfited. How is sulfite different than nitrites? Mm. We talked about nitrites being a preservative. In yeah. some meats back in the first season, um, do they also act as preservatives, sulfites? Yeah, they they do, but in very different in a very different way. So that so the nitrites are essentially uh, are essentially producing a gas called nitric oxide um, inside meat products, inside cured meat products, and that will uh, change the pigmentation. It gives us that pink ham like color. Mm-hmm. But it also has the effect of inactivating uh, Clostridium botulinum. So it has that specific, uh, really important antimicrobial effect. And then it produces changes in flavor. Um, so it produces those characteristic, to me, wonderful changes that we get in <laughs> in, in bacon and in cured turkey and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really where the, the nitrites work is in producing that that uh, nitric oxide gas inside the meat and then and then the, the results of that. But in terms of sulfites, what they're doing is they're inhibiting that enzyme polyphenol oxidase that Paige mentioned. So you can you can slow that or inhibit it in a number of ways. Um, you can use vitamin C. You can you can add lots and lots of salt, which we don't really want to do here in this case. Um, <laughs> We've got plenty of sugar um, it, throughout the cake, but it's not necessarily there in the fruit when we need it uh, before we put it in the cake to prevent the browning. So the idea of sulfites is it just uh, it just has the, the capability of inhibiting that that uh, enzyme polyphenol oxidase. Um, and I think it also it also can work against some of the um, some of the pigment formation if yeah. they've already partly formed. So it has sort of a dual action in in terms of of uh, of how it works. And yeah. it does a solid job of it. Like <laughs> it's a re- does a really good job at preventing that brown pigment from being formed um, rather than just slowing it down. Right. So the, the, the issues there are that there are some individuals who are sensitive to sulfites. So it is important to read the label if you know that you have some sort of sensitivity there. Um, the issue for me is is primarily flavor, um, where there's a to me there's an aftertaste that I can that I can detect, and so that's why I, I try to typically work with unsulfited foods because uh, the the flavor carries through in the fruits, in wine, and other things that have sulfites in them. So. 
not risk for harm to the body for what we know of so far. Like well, that. yeah, unless you're unless you're sensitive to it. I mean, there are right. individuals who are quite sensitive um, to it. And for them, they, they should certainly avoid it. But right. for 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 most, it's going to be it's going to be something that works as a way to prevent those color changes. And also um, just depending on your your palate, you may or may not detect that yeah. as an aftertaste. I think most most of the sensitivities relate to asthma as well as migraines. I know sulfates are, are one of the triggers for migraines for a lot of people. So those are two sort of health categories that it, it might not be the best for you to consume. Well, we've we've talked about a number of things in relation to this wonderful stocking stuffer uh, fruitcake I'm stuffed completely. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we are sitting here by the fireside, just completely stuffed. And of drinking course, the eggnog. Of course, we are cake. drinking eggnog. What else would we be drinking at this point? Yes. Um, yes. I, got, the I got an eggnog, by the way. Yes. I got. I bet I got dairy-free kind because that's the only kind Trader Joe had. Trader oh, Joe's had. Seriously? Yeah. But well, now that I'm going on campus later you know, today, maybe I'll pick some up. Howling cow. They definitely have the the eggnog at this time of year. So I'm oh, actually okay. going over there to pick up mine. Uh, pick up mine today. Yeah. Uh, it's the best, really. It really is. <laughs> well. <laughs> Um, but did you try the Trader Joe's non-dairy? Yeah. What did you think? It was good. Very, okay. very flavorful. Um, yeah. I'm going to make coffee after this and put some inside. Like you guys <laughs> recommended. That sounds really good. Very yummy. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this uh, this last episode talking about uh, the density and the shelf life and variations uh, on the theme of this uh, amazing food fruit cake um, including some of the some of the colors natural and artificial that are that are in there um, and and I actually y'all I have a, I have a confession to make um, I I actually like the doorstop version Me too. I mean really I like I like that fruit cake so I just want to let everyone out there know I'm just gonna say it <laughs> plain as day I like that fruit cake well, don't be afraid. <laughs> don't be afraid of the fruitcake. Try the fruitcake. I have been. So now I'm inspired to go out and try some more fruitcake because... It's very yummy. Yeah. Give it as an energy bar, not fruitcake. Think of right? it as an energy bar. Exactly. Right before your, you know... <laughs> okay, maybe maybe an hour before your workout. Then you can... Yeah, not right before. <laughs> you can experience the benefits of, of fruitcake. But, uh, yeah, I'd encourage you to try it in sort of all its various forms as the, you know, the dense doorstop, as the stolen, as the panettone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would encourage you to try all those variations on the theme. All delicious. Well, there are lots of ways to celebrate the holidays at the end of the year. And of course, I can think of uh, occasions like Hanukkah, Diwali, and uh, Christmas, Kwanzaa, many other types of celebrations. So however you're celebrating your holidays, we just want to say to you, Happy, Happy Holidays! We'll be back. Season three. <laughs> All right. See you then.
If you'd like to find out more about our podcast, Wolfing Down Food Science, please check us out at wolfingdownfoodscience.buzzsprout.com, where you can find our show notes and email address. You can find out more about NC State, our department, and FS201, the amazing course that has brought us all together, on our website as well. Please don't forget to subscribe to Wolfing Down Food Science wherever you stream your podcasts like Spotify and iTunes. Thanks for tuning in to Wolfing Down Food Science. See you next time.